For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Now, I've got Paul Eyehander for the next two hours. Oh, goodness gracious. They let me in the building. Paul is a radio veteran. He's also just happens to be in charge of this operation. So appreciate you taking some time for me. Well, you know, Joe, sometimes, you know, you got to warm up the chair a little bit, show you all how it's done. You know, it's important. As, yeah, there's always things to be learned. As, as Snoop Dogg says, he is I and I am him. There you go. So, uh, I don't know if. Santeria would work in the NBA or like in Major League Santeria. Baseball these days. I don't know if Tough Love is going to work either. We had two examples last night of Tough Love. Let's start with the NBA, the easier one to maybe digest. Sure. The Nuggets are in first place in the Western Conference. Okay. Yes, they are. People who aren't paying attention to these things may or may not know that. They might, oh, no, no, no. That's got to be the Suns. The Suns have, no, not this year. The Grizzlies, well, the Grizzlies were running hot, and then, of course, John Morant decided to go on a little bit of a walkabout. But the Nuggets have been the best team in the West. Well, last night, they end up losing to the Rockets. Again, if you're not following the NBA, the Rockets have been actively tanking all season in order to get Victor Wembanyama. Except, last night, the Rockets end up beating the Nuggets 124-103. to That leaves Michael Malone in a situation where he's like, hey... And I get it, Paul. This is game 81 for the Nuggets. Right? Sure, yep, yep. So, there's <laughs> five me. games left game, of the regular game, season. Excuse me, game 79. So there's three games left. So he's not exactly sending a message for his team for the to finish out the regular season, but this is his message going into the playoffs. And he used some language here that I think this qualifies as tough love. All right. The language that he used was he called his team soft. And he pointed it out to Jokic, too. Correct. He called Jokic soft. He called his best player soft. So, Paul, my question to you is, does this work? Will this work? Are we allowed to have this work in 2023? In the NBA? In the NBA. I don't think it's... We'll start a, with the NBA because we have a baseball yeah, let's example, start with too. The, so, we can start with the NBA. And Michael Malone is a hell of a coach. And his there's dad no was a coach of, in the NBA, too. Right. It, there's there's lineage there, and he's got an all-star team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, Jokic stirs the drink, you know, Michael Porter. It's a superstar team. Like, that starting five is an NBA championship-caliber basketball roster. When it comes to Malone and when it comes to the NBA specifically, there are certain points to where Greg Popovich is the master of psychology when it comes to this, right? Like, I watched him burn, and there's, it's on YouTube, you can find it. I watched him burn a timeout within the first eight seconds of a basketball game because he didn't like how his team came out after the tip-off. They jump, the, they jump ball, cross half court, they don't get set up, and he calls a timeout. Like, you're talking about a master coach. In some instances, that kind of stuff works. The coaches step out of the huddle. But when they do that, that goes to the current philosophy of the NBA of how players police players when it comes to on-court play. And certain players obviously have a little bit more 
levity when it comes to that. I'm not saying Doncic has it because he is Luka Doncic. But LeBron James? Start naming a few others. Maybe Giannis has that. Maybe the, the Jasons in Boston can pull that off just because of who they are. But when it comes to tough love from a coach, now, again, you, you take it with a grain of salt that it comes in the last week of the regular season right. of the NBA. Well, he's clearly trying to push but, a button in the with three games left in the yeah. regular season. This is his first place team, and I mentioned the Rockets are terrible. They're so bad that last night's win actually pulled them even with the Spurs. It's funny you mentioned Popovich because they're also actively tanking. For Victor Wembanyama, I don't think it, the tough love doesn't work from the coaches unless in certain instances. This feels like a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, kick in the ass, so to speak. Okay. More than anything else, I'm not sure if it was true tough love. It may be misplaced tough love more than anything else. Just a reminder that hey guys, I am the coach. I still run the practices. We know we're a good basketball team, so let's act like we've been there before. All right, so let's go from game 79 in the NBA, and that's what the Nuggets are. To the Cardinals in Game 5. The Cardinals lose to the Braves last night at home 4-1. to one. And the Cardinals had an instance where their coach, Oliver Marmol, had to call out Tyler O'Neill, one of his players. This is Game 5, keep in mind. Right, 162 for long For a games. lack yep. of effort. Now, it's important to note here that Marmol is the youngest coach in Major League Baseball. He is indeed. So perhaps he's trying to establish... His authority in this situation. Here's what Marmol said. Yeah, we got a lot of guys playing really hard. That's not our style of play as far as the the effort rounding the bag there. Um, it's unacceptable. Bottom line is that's not his judgment. That's why we have a coach standing over there. Your efforts uh, 100% until you're told not to. That's an effort thing. That's not a. You don't go out there and work on running hard. So that's the coach. Game five. Youngest coach in baseball. Yeah, this has, for me, okay, having been a youth coach, uh, I, have, I have young kids, and you have, you have, you have, your kids are a little bit older, but you, you have kids too. I have a son that plays Little League, and I, I have coached Little League and for many seasons. I get where Marmal is coming from to a certain aspect, okay? I totally get that, because if you watch the play, O'Neill is doing what my son does after there's a base hit somewhere. He's kind of looking back, he's kind of jogging, and you kind of see him turn up the gear a little bit. Not to say that O'Neill didn't care. Like mm-hmm. So he to, to t- set the stage here, O'Neill's on base. There's he's a, on there's, second base. There's a ball hit, and this is where the effort is being questioned. This isn't a player who like hit a ground ball and didn't leg out the, an infield hit or something like this. Right, this isn't yeah. like an obvious yeah, why did you effort stop? play, right? But it was Ronald Acuna in right field who's got a rifle for an arm, oh, Okay, and he... I mean, and he threw it ex- directly to home plate. I mean, the catcher did not have to move. Like, I, I, you could watch it over and over again. He did not have to move. That being said, O'Neill's response to it was just as genuine, too. Almost like, are you serious, bro? Yeah. Here's it, O'Neill, and this is his response to basically saying, you didn't try. He was pretty blunt about it. He didn't think I gave the best effort. Um, um, you know, I'm out here every day grinding my grinding my ass off. Um, you know, giving it my all and uh, trying to stay on the field for 160 games out here. So, um, you know, like I said, I just got to get a better jump next time, and and I guess you know just get around get around the base a little quicker, and um, you know, be in there next time. So you you, just, you dispute that? You disagree with it? it wasn't an effort thing? Um, yeah, I mean. 
I'm trying to I'm trying to score that round, of course. You know, um, not out there to dog it at all. Um, you know, those are pretty pretty strong words from him. So that's um, good to know. Do you think this is anything more than a young coach trying to assert his authority early in a season? In his first year as a head coach. I suppose. I mean, he was probably frustrated that the kid pitching for the Braves was a rookie making a start and had 100 friends and family in the stands who were cheering him constantly in a in a lackluster effort by his entire team. I think this is just a microcosm of what happened in Game 5. As, again, I, you, look at, you look at season managers, uh, even in baseball. Now, baseball, it does have to come from the manager a little bit more than the yeah. players. They're, they're, you know, players have their own, you know, what do they call the kangaroo courts, so to speak, fines for socks and keeping a dirty locker and messy kinds of things and whatnot. But when it comes to on-field, again, I feel this one probably a little bit more misplaced, but also probably trying to flex with this team. It, the Cardinals are not supposed to be a bad baseball team. I mean, they've, they've got the horses to make things happen in the National League Central. But game five, where you're, where you've got your players dropping expletives, saying, "Why is he questioning my hustle? Why is he doing those kinds of things?" This creates friction. I'm not sure if the scouting report on O'Neill was, "Hey, you know, if you challenge him and say, "Hey, he's not running really fast," that a lot of fire under his ass." I'm not sure that's going to work. I don't think that works at very many levels at all, unless it comes from peers. Especially in sports, and especially in locker rooms, and the fact that there was a post game back and forth with the player actually questioning the coach, like, yeah. why is he questioning my hustle? Of all the things, there's a movie from like the 1990s. Uh, ben Stiller's in it. It's a bunch of kids at a at a camp trying to lose weight called Heavyweights, and and the joke is he goes, "Hey, I'm canceling. I'm canceling uh, the afternoon activities due to lack of hustle." I'm like, that reminded me of this at the specific moment. I'm like, it was almost comical. That you were calling out this guy for not hustling. I'm like, dude, he got on base. He made the right move. Somebody waved him home, thinking that he could beat Acuna's throw from right field. Clearly, that was not the right answer because he beat him by like ten steps. So I'm not. I, I I don't buy it. So, Chat GPT, artificial intelligence. There's been a lot of talk in the journalism business about how can it help you, you know, social media posts, uh, potentially come up with some information about, hey, spit this in, maybe give you a script, you know, on the ad sales side, right? Sure, yeah. IBM has taken this to a slightly new level. All right. Because at the Masters this week, IBM Watson has started to train the computers, AI, to do golf commentary in real time here's a sample that ibm posted on the twitters today and you tell me how excited you would be on a saturday afternoon to settle down maybe get in your comfy chair maybe have a cold beverage or two and watch this version of the masters substraka 28 years old from austria is going to hit from the pine straw on hole one He took stroke two, and the ball traveled 162 yards into the greenside bunker. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Are we safe? Is Vernon Lundquist safe? No, I think we'll be okay for now, as long as they don't play that that beautiful piano music behind it or the symphonic stuff. There was the ambient sound there, which I got to tell you, Paul, I love 
when I watch golf on a Saturday, even with a frosty beverage in that comfortable chair, it puts me out. And that's a good thing. So for some who, you know, as as everyone gets to know me as I'm sitting next to you, I worked for EA Sports for a little time. Okay. And you mentioned the ambient sound of that golf. And I worked on the once was Tiger Woods golf for EA. Now it's just EA golf. Uh, the amazing lengths they go to get to that sound. And then the fact that they have announcers, but they hire real announcers. Right. And so when you say Chad GPT and the ambient sound and things like that, and I listen to the, the, the voice of that person, yeah, it feels a little bit like I just pulled a guy off of, uh, off of Edwards Mill and said, here, read this, you know, without any context or whatnot. It's not terrible, but I'm not, but it's not warm and it's not, it doesn't come, see, ChatGPT is fine, but until you start realizing that there has to be some sort of nuance behind it too, that you can tell me the history of why that tree in 1989 was a was a pain in the ass for Fred Couples, that's the evolution that I would be more afraid of as opposed to just like, Steve Stricker hit a two-wood and it was his second stroke. And yeah, I get it. No, no thanks. Tell- I thought you were going to talk to me about like, it was going to like, they were going to be like, okay, it's cool if you use the rangefinder because the artificial intelligence was going to tell them, listen, there's a wind coming. So if you just slightly adjust your trajectory, it was going to be like a heat seeking missile hitting a bunker in the middle of Afghanistan. By the way, tell me you worked on a video game that involved golf players from the 2000s without telling me that you worked on a video game that involved golf players. Right, that's straight from the up. 2000s. Straight up. You just dropped a Freddie Couples and Steve Stricker on us. Yeah. I'll tell you about my time with Sam Snead some other time. Okay. Yeah. Did you see the the Masters pairings and how they kind of integrated the the live guys and the, and the PGA Tour guys? Yeah. Not the, too spicy. No, but. not really. But you know, when it comes to the Masters and the way, especially when it when they announced that they were going to allow live golf coming because they're former champions, yeah. and I totally understand that they should be represented at the Masters. That it wasn't one of those. Yeah, we're gonna duke it out at at uh, ten paces with pistols, uh, you know, before the start. Weehawken, Don. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was guns. You know, drawn. we're here. Ultimately, it's still competitors playing golf, and it also shows you, I think, that the green jacket means a lot more than I think a lot of people realize, especially within that sport. West Durham is in no danger of being replaced by ChatGPT or artificial intelligence. That I know. ACC Network, ESPN. He was actually out on the golf course. I might still be out there. Wes, how are you, man? I'm great, Joe. Good to be with you. No, I just finished. Thanks for uh, thanks for checking in. How you doing? I'm doing really well. We just played a clip of uh, an automated artificial intelligence voice trying to give us some golf play-by-play. Uh, <laughs> you're safe. I'm just going to say that. I think, Jim, I think Jim Nance is safe, too. Uh, just as somebody who, you know, the, the profession that you're in, I'm sure you have an appreciation for Nance and the work that he's done and to wrap up the final four in his uh, tremendous run that he had there. Uh, I'm sure you have a Jim Nance story or two for us. Oh, Jim is, uh, first of all, anybody, you know, and I said this about a lot of people that when you do it that long at that level um, and you get an opportunity to do it that long at that level and you stay at a very high level, it, it speaks a lot about not just your ability, but also the teamwork you have around you. And, I thought Jim was very humble in talking about guys like Billy, uh, Pat McGrath, who obviously tragically passed away a few weeks ago, right before the start of the tournament, his stat guy. I mean, Jim knows it's a, it's a collaborative effort. And I, I think anybody that's a part of the CBS production, the NCAA tournament will tell you that 
but he recognizes it because of, of how long he's done it and, and the people he's worked with. So, yeah, job well done by him. Um, I'm not surprised that the the business side of the numbers reflected a low viewership on Monday night. Um, although I will say that Saturday was a really good semifinal. That first game was terrific, and yeah. and the numbers reflected that. But in terms of, of his professionalism, uh, you know, he's he's done a terrific job with college basketball. We're fortunate he's still going to be part of the National Football League and, and certainly the, the PGA Tour. And this weekend is, in my opinion, his shining light. Whatever his legacy is when he's done, it'll be this event. Um, because then he told the story various different ways in the last couple of years about, you know, being there in 86 for Nicholas and Ken Venturi. You know, I think it was his first Masters, if I recall, and Ken Venturi pulled up to him in a golf cart with Frank Trakinian and said, you'll never see another one like this again. And I think that, you know, he's he's embraced the legacy of Augusta. Um, you know, his his embracing of golf certainly is personal to him because he played it. But I also think, too, that he values the experience of of the Final Four and the Masters in a unique way that uh, that has also come to the viewer. And I think that it's really difficult to do that. Um, you know, for example, Joe, I try, not, a, not at that level. I try to do it with the ACC basketball tournament with people because I think there are people that have engaged the ACC basketball tournament for a long time or ACC football for a long time. But Jim does it at a very high level and has done it consistently, obviously, for almost five decades now. West Durham, ACC Network, ESPN, joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. That's Paul Eihander. I'm Joe Giglio, Joe Ovius. Paul is definitely doing double time here today because where's Ovius, like vacation or something? He's actually on spring break, like took his family on vacation, and he was like looking at me yesterday like – yeah, and I'm like, you you took your kids too, and he was like, yeah, and I'm like, hmm, apparently you're doing much better than I am that you're going yeah, to the Virgin go. Islands or wherever. Godspeed to Paul for sitting in today. Yeah, well, you know, somebody has to kind of corral and and, and keep <laughs> keep me contained here. Well, the chair yeah. stays the chair stays warm, Wes. When's hey, Wes? Let me ask you, when's the last time you actually teared up during the one shining moment montage? Teared up, if ever, never. Is this one of, and I'm going to, someone's going to hate on me for this one, is that montage might be one of the most overrated media experiences ever created? Um, it, it's interesting you bring this up. I have talked to more often in the last two years, more people who would like to see another finish than what they see. Um, it, it's, it's maybe stayed a little too long at the game, maybe. Is that fair? Um, wait, wait. You, know, you both don't like one shining moment. I didn't. I didn't say I didn't like it. Don't you remember when they tried to replace Luther Vandross and like people oh, like yeah, lost was, their mind? Yeah, people. What do you think mind. would happen if they replaced the whole song? Yeah, it was New Coke. Well, I get that. <laughs> no, and it's it's become. And here's the other thing too. And Julio probably has a, a more to say about this than I do. I think it's more geared by the NCAA now than it's geared by CBS. Sure. Yeah, of course it is. I think the NCAA. The NCAA lives in this world, this uh, Pollyanna world of isn't this great and this and da-da-da. And, oh, by the way, we're making 81% of our budget. Um, you know, it's it, the way the lights turned out, the confetti blowing, that that part of this I'm tired of too, by the way. I don't know how, Paul, you and Julio feel about it, but we don't need to fire confetti every time somebody wins something anymore either. I mean, that's that's turned into abstract Wait, stuff you don't me, like but, confetti either? I'm okay with confetti occasionally. It's the championship game. 
Okay, but do we have to fire it every championship? Wes, I wasn't trying to take you down the tinfoil route, friend. I really wasn't. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm, you know, along the lines of one shiny moment. I mean, I think one shiny moment probably should have included like Dusty May signing his extension. You know, at the table, <laughs> <laughs> just I'm like he he, he benefited the uh, I, uh the uh, Mensa Cooley Men- in the coaching portal. Yeah, kind of yeah, Men- like Mensa coaching. from yeah. San Diego State getting his NIL deal the the weekend yeah. of the Final Four. Yeah. You want the guys who do bad lip reading to do oh. one shining moment. That's what you want. Yeah, you don't want the sanitized NCAA version. West Durham ACC Network That's ESPN funny. joining yeah. us here. And Wes, uh, it's interesting. There, there, there's already some way too early top twenty fives, oh, yeah. which I'm, I didn't pay any attention to. But I did pay Good. attention to some gambling numbers because okay. we have odds to win the championship next year. And, and just your take on Duke twelve to one, Carolina twenty two to one, NC State one fifty to one. Really? Yes. I get Duke. We know some of the guys coming back, and then obviously they're going to bring in a lot of good freshmen. Yeah. I mean, I saw – I'm trying to remember. I can't remember exactly. I saw one poll had Marquette won. Another poll had – Yeah, I didn't even look at any of those polls because, like I said, I I I don't know. One poll that had Marquette won, and I guess they bring a lot of guys back. And then I I saw one that Florida Atlantic, because they bring everybody back except one player, and I guess it's the sixth man who doesn't come back. And there are a lot of people thinking, well, Florida Atlantic's going to be a – it was a preseason top ten for Florida Atlantic. Hmm. I mean, they had a really good year this year. They weren't they had it was just the team that got hot in the tournament. They 30-odd games. Yeah, they were 31-3 and three when the tournament started. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to put Florida Atlantic in the top ten again. All right. Um, you know, and good for Dusty May. And, you know, to Paul's point, he's got an extension and got a lot of money. Um, but I think it's hopeless with the portal, Joe. Yeah. I really do. And – I mean, I, don't, I, I I play a little fantasy basketball and football from time to time, or something like that, and golf. But I wouldn't bet a dollar on a top ten on a on a on a, on a line today. Hey, no listen, chance. last year at um, at this time last year, I took Kentucky and I took Carolina, and that ate away at what I won on Monday night when UConn ended up being the champion. So I'm not advising. Did you take the over the other night? By the way, no, I don't. I don't. I don't generally mess with totals. Because uh, I have a hard time with them, um, but no, I, I trust me, man. There's plenty of mistakes to be made in the off season. Now, we we appreciate you taking some time for us today, and I like I feel better now that ChatGPT and art, artificial intelligence is not going to replace announcers, at least not yet, based on that know, clip from the Masters. From home, Joe. You know, well, that. you know, You're we've done that a lot, home, and we survived a lot of that. Do you have Do you have any uh, spring games this week? No, I'm not doing any spring football. I'm doing a couple baseball games the week of the 21st and 22nd, and I am doing the PGA. Speaking of majors, I'll do the next one uh, from Rochester as part of ESPN.com and the ESPN Plus thing. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to be doing that again. Look, Paul, I've been generally mystified by how the rest of the NFL has treated Lamar Jackson this offseason, why they don't want. Lamar Jackson doesn't make any sense to me other than collusion that these owners need to be saved from themselves. They're mad at the Browns owner for giving the contract that he did to Deshaun Watson. I can't think of any other explanations. I do think every time that John Harbaugh beginning at the end of the regular season, when every time John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach talks, I do think you hear in his voice that he has no interest in coaching Lamar Jackson anymore. 
the way that he has talked about him. I think they've been giving you clues all along. So maybe that's why today a Ravens PR person interrupted Eric DaCosta, the team's GM, when he was asked about Lamar Jackson. But I'll let you decide of what actually happened today on the Lamar Jackson front. This is Let's go first to Eric DaCosta when he's being asked about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so those are, you know, I understand the need to ask those kind of questions. Uh, I think just out of respect for the process, this is a draft luncheon, and we're going to try to keep as much of this discussion as we can to the draft, to the coming weeks, building the best football team we can build. So I understand those questions. I think we've spoken about this situation probably five different times this spring in various different press conferences and such. So we're going to try to just kind of defer to those questions and move forward to the draft. That was Eric DaCosta. Huh? Cox. Okay. So that's the GM basically saying, hey, and I kind of get the GM in this situation saying, we're having a a press conference today about what we're going to do with the draft. Now, of course, you can't do anything in the NFL (laughs) that doesn't revolve around your quarterback in the future of your franchise quarterback. All right. So now I guess another question was then potentially asked after this warning shot was fired by DaCosta. And here's the Ravens PR guy saying, okay, we're not doing that. With respect to the the draft and everything just with the Lamar stuff that's going on. Hey guys, are you, guys, are you all that? looking at quarterbacks? Out, out, out. If you can, this is about the draft. Just move off the, the question. Let's just, we're, we're, we're not going to answer more questions than that, okay? About the draft. Are you looking at quarterbacks differently because of the situation that's going on? Yeah, you know, I don't think we really are. So that's the PR guy interceding there as a question. He is tried. <laughs> I mean, he tried to to deflect the questions. You know, sometimes the Bill Belichick school of press conferences don't work for everybody. Right. Doesn't really work for Baltimore. You're going to get those questions. Just answer the question. I mean, simply put, like just, yes, we're we're not here to address that question. We're not here to talk about the new chicken fingers that are being served in the concourse. So, but everybody wants to know about the chicken fingers. Everyone wants to know about Lamar Jackson. That's the question. Doesn't gonna, that, the questions are going to stop once you answer the question. And you, you mentioned Belichick. You really think Bill Belichick needs a PR person to stand up for him or cut people off or he can't handle himself? Because Eric Acosta now, to use Michael Malone's word, which I wouldn't use if I wasn't on the air right now, he looks soft. He looks really soft. I don't need you telling me. Like, if we're at a press conference right now, I don't need you stepping in and be like, hey, Joe, Joe doesn't know what he's doing. Joe can't handle himself. Hey, cool, PR guy. How about you just shut up over there? I'll take soft. care of this. Soft, man. That's soft. I think a little crisis management. You think would Belichick have would let some PR oh, guy? No, no. he'd step no. up. He'd step up to him real quick. We're he'd on to Cincinnati. He put his dog in the. In We're the on to the draft. I mean, right? Just answer the question. Again, it's okay. The, That's what people want to know. They the, don't care about what you're picking. Who you're picking at twenty-two? The way they that Harbaugh, care. the way that Harbaugh has talked about, the way that their coach has talked about their franchise quarterback. And the fact that they couldn't sign their franchise quarterback has told you all along what their opinion of Lamar Jackson is. So while I appreciate the Baltimore media arm here trying to say, hey, and asking the questions that people are interested in, you don't need to ask the question because the Ravens themselves have already answered the question by allowing Lamar's contract situation to get where it is today, where he's on the non-exclusive tender. And now look at the rest of these owners going, no, we don't need a 26-year-old former MVP of this league at quarterback. It's silly. The most important position in this league. The only way really to truly win in this league anymore. 
nobody's going to point at Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown, who I have they utmost are apparently. respect for. <laughs> but that is that is the the two. They're going to have a quarterback competition in Baltimore. I mean, is that what the plan is? Lamar wants a trade. He wants a deal. Who's going to trade for him? At some point, you've got to cut bait on this one. I'm like, sorry. There's got to be a team that leaves Lamar Jackson. There's and meeting the price of the Baltimore Ravens isn't. There's no price to be met anymore. He wants out. The Ravens, as you've said, have sent up all the signal fares saying, yeah, we're kind of done with this too. So just be done with it and make it happen. It was not even two years ago that the or three years ago that the 49ers traded three first-round picks just to get Trey Lance. Do you think he's sitting? I mean, if they don't get a deal done, do you think Jackson sits this year? I do. I do. I think he pills a levy on Bell and just says, I'm not, I'm not playing. Man. I wouldn't play. They don't want him. Now, right, they now, don't, but now, what about, I now what I, I would, would do if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm going to hire an agent because I yeah. think it was fine out of school. I think it was fine to have your mom run the numbers and and you can get the thing notarized by anybody and their you know and their mother. But I do think I, there comes a certain point, and I think now is that point. He needs an agent because he needs to go and get a deal done. That's what he needs to do. Think about it in the terms of the Canes, right? Sebastian Ajo a few years ago is a restricted free agent. His agent is buddies with the Canadians GM. The Canadians GM then serves up a saucy contract for him that ends up getting Tom Dundon to finally do the right thing when it when it came by Sebastian Ajo. So at some point, you do need somebody to be your advocate. And it's pretty clear he can't be his own advocate on this one and his mom can't be in his own his advocate on this one. He needs to go out and play the game the right way now. I think he needs to go and get an agent. Yeah, I'm standing side by side with you on that one. There was an article, I believe ESPN.com, a couple of weeks ago about the process, how Derek Carr ended up with the uh, Saints and how the two guys that Carr basically are the ride or die with were with him the entire way at Fresno State and had, and, oh no, not Derek Carr, sorry, Aaron Judge. Okay. Aaron Judge's agents. Ride or die with him. He stuck with them, felt family with them. They connected with him, did all the right things, were incredibly transparent. That's the kind of, I think, confidant that Lamar Jackson needs to step away because obviously he was looking to family for help. And while they were being that guiding light, he probably needs something similar to that. But in this age of cynicism that we live in right now, that's really hard to find. So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also, too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes, and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.